As I was praying today, I get the words make room this morning in the shower. And I, I didn't know what that would look like, but I felt the Lord say, what happens if I tell you to lay it all down in the morning? And I was like, God, this week's been really stressful. I've had to try and write a preach in nap times. And he said, but what happens if it has to be laid all down? Am I worth it? Do you trust that I have something better? And our answer has to always be yes. Yes, God, I trust you. And in the uncertainty, God, I trust you. When I don't quite know the path ahead, God, I trust you in the place that I am now. So this morning, what I want to do is take a couple of bits of the scripture that the Lord's been speaking to me about this week as we open up the word together, but then I want to leave a ton of room that we can worship again and minister to each other. Does that sound okay? Yeah, great. Um, so I'm Jennifer. I'm married to Simon, who is um, doing his curacy training here, which is vicar training part two. Um, I myself, I'm in mat leave at the moment, but begin... Um, training for ordination, vicar training part one, in September. And it's so good to begin to open up the scriptures together this morning and to make room for what God wants to say to us through it. And the subject that I was given to speak on was that of anxiety as we continue our theme of courageous resistance as we look not just at how we can be standing firm in God, but how we can be on the front foot. And before we dive in, I just want to make one point as we talk about anxiety, that I am so aware that for loads of people in this room, actually probably everyone, over the last few years, we have had probably feelings of anxiety rising within us, from the global pandemic to the war in Ukraine to the cost of living crisis. Anxiety is probably something that is could be rumbling within most of us. But that for some of us here, anxiety is a daily struggle. Um, it is something that we struggle with daily. Um, and it might be that it's something that you need the help of medicine and doctors in overcoming. This week, um, I broke my wrist. <laughs> it's really adding to my really fun week. Um, <clears throat> And I have had x-rays, I've been to a &E. I've seen doctors, I've seen nurses, I've seen surgeons, I've seen specialists. I've taken every painkiller that they could possibly give me. And at no point has anyone questioned me doing any of those things. Because like we all have physical health, which can at times be good and times be bad, we all have mental health, which at times can be good and times not so good. And I believe we have a miraculous, miracle-working God. And my wrist has been prayed for, because with a husband in Kenya and a nine-month-old, it hasn't been great fun. <laughs> it has been prayed for, but I've also got the help of medicine and doctors. And that's the same with mental health. And I just pray that as we kind of open up the scripture this morning... As we talk about anxiety, if you felt your anxiety rise from the fact that we're talking about anxiety, that you will know that the peace and the joy and the love of the Holy Spirit is sitting with you and being your comfort and being your support through this, okay? So there's my trigger warning over. I want us to turn to Philippians and we're going to um, read together 
4, 1 to 9, but we're going to start at 3.17 for context. Um, we're going to whiz through this. I'm going to bring out a couple of points, then we're going to pray for each other. So Philippians, we're going to start at 3.17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who have lived as we do. For, as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is the foundation of our passage. Paul is reminding the church of the big picture and a big picture that I think God wants to remind us of this morning that the church is a colony of heaven and that as Christians, our primary identity, our primary calling is found in the kingdom of God. This is the only place in the New Testament that you'll see that word citizen and it's the word that at the time was commonly used to describe kind of a colony of foreigners or veterans whose job it was to secure a conquered territory by spreading abroad the the conquering country's way of doing things. Things like the customs, the cultures, the law. And this would have rung true to the church in Philippi because they were a colony of Rome. So even those who were born and raised in Philippi would have had all the same rights and privileges awarded to any Roman. And Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, and the word I believe is saying to us this morning, your citizenship is in heaven. As Christians, you have access to all the rights and privileges that come from your eternal home now. But whilst here on earth, we have responsibility to be these envoys, these ambassadors spreading the kingdom way of doing things. So let's read the rest of our passage. It starts with therefore. So in light of what's been, therefore, brothers, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord and in his ways, dear friends. I plead with you, I always say words that I don't really know how to pronounce really fast, so I plead with you, Adonai, and I plead with you, Cynthia, to be of the same mind in the Lord. To be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is a passage about how we can stand firm in our identity as citizens of heaven here on earth. The first few verses could be a whole preach on their own, talking about the importance of unity in the body of Christ. But then Paul goes on to speak about anxiety and the importance of releasing our anxieties to the Lord. Do you not find it fascinating that Paul is writing 2,000 years ago and 2,000 years ago, right at the beginning of the church, Paul is saying, release your anxieties to the Lord. So, how does Paul say (coughs) we should deal with our anxieties? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He repeats it three times in three separate ways. Prayer, petition, present your requests. Pray. Invite God in. Tell God about it. You know, when we pray, we, so, we make an act of choice to release our feelings, our emotions, our worries, our fears before God. It's an act of surrender. And the first point that I feel like the Lord really wants to say this morning is that it's okay to present actually how you feel before the Lord with our feelings and emotions. Because actually, to be honest with God in a Western society can be quite a scary an uncomfortable thing to do. But friends, the beautiful thing about our Savior is that we don't need to sanitize our prayers before him. Worship like that is beautiful because it's authentic and unsanitized. And we sing our hearts of praise before him because God's deepest desire, friends, is to be in a relationship with his children, a relationship that our hearts are fully open to him, and that includes our feelings and our emotions. I love, and I really feel someone needs to hear this this morning, Psalm 56, verse 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected my tears in a bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. And I love this verse because it reminds me that God cares. He isn't up in heaven moaning with the angels about when they would just get over it or move on. He's a God of compassion. He's a God who draws close to the downhearted. And he's a God who doesn't, there's no emotion which is too ugly or messy for him to handle. A couple of years ago, I did my most authentic prayer ever. I just had some medical news that put 
um, kind of fear within me and anxiety over what I envisioned the future looking like. And I walked up Cleve Hill with my dog and there was no one else around, thankfully. And I stood at the top of the hill and I knew I needed to pray, but I didn't have the words. I didn't have the words. And I just felt I couldn't even start praying in tongues. And I felt the Holy Spirit come within me and he said, just scream. Just scream, Jen. And I screamed. And this noise came from within me that I didn't even know was within me. And and my outpouring to God came the pain and frustration and anger of the last few years and all my anxieties about what the future held in one scream. That was the most authentic prayer I've ever prayed. Because I was honest with God. And he met me in that place. And actually, as I was walking back down the hill, this rainbow came. And God was like, there's the promise. Keep your eyes on the promise. And I can tell you that promise has been fulfilled. But it was that scream, that letting the God in to actually how I was feeling. Because we can pray without airs and graces. We can pray without fear of condemnation, without concern of God's reaction. It doesn't need to be pretty because when we're honest with God, we invite him amongst it all. So that's our starting point. We invite God amongst the pain. But God doesn't want to keep us in that place. He is a God of redemption. He is a God of miracles. He is a God of transformation. And verse 7 in our passage says that he wants to give us a gift. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. You know, this phrase, peace of God, isn't found again anywhere else in the New Testament. And it's why reading that last bit of chapter 3 was important. Because you see, If our primary identity is as citizens of heaven and earth is just our colony, then we have the rights to the birthrights of heaven. And one of these things is the peace of God. The peace which is grounded in his promise and his presence. The peace which is not situationally dependent We don't need to go to a spa or have an away day, but a peace that can be felt in the midst of battle, grief, and pain. Because the peace of God that this passage talks about transcends all our human understanding. And we're told that this peace will guard our hearts. Simon calls it my Greek geek. I love Greek, it's so geeky. But this word guard, again, is a military term. It would have been used for when soldiers went to guard a garrison that they had conquered to stop invaders coming back. Paul, throughout this passage, is using military imagery to remind us that that having this peace and saying no to anxiety is a battle. It's an act of spiritual warfare. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The peace of God is rightfully yours, but the enemy doesn't want you to have it. 
So he comes and he tries to steal, kill, and destroy. But the peace of God transcends all understanding. Transcends all understanding. And as citizens of heaven, we have been given this gift of peace. And we live here and earth is our colony. And it's not just to be kept for us. As citizens of heaven on our colony of earth, it's to be spread with those around us. What gift of heaven have you got to spread with those around you this week? Is it the peace of God as you sit in a boardroom meeting? Is it the peace of God as your child's awake for the 20th time that night? Is it, the, is it to pray for someone for miraculous healing? I'll be first in line. Is it to go and say a word from heaven into someone who needs to hear encouragement this week? What have you got as your gift of heaven that is to be given to those around you as you live here in the colony of earth, not your permanent home? And let me finally, finally say, brothers and sisters, the bit of verse six that I didn't talk about and I could see some of you twitching, don't worry. Um, how do we get from this place of anxiety and fear to this place of living in the peace and promise of God? If you look later in the passage, Paul calls us to put it into practice. That I'm really grateful for that because it means we don't have to have it right straight away. It's a practice. It's going back over and over and over. We are all on journeys of apprenticeship in Jesus. But Paul does give us a tool which take, can take us from this place of anxiety and fear to the place of peace. And we see it in verse 6, don't we? Do not, and verse 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And verse 6, do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Or as the message puts it, do not worry, instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions, praise, uh, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Praises shape our worries into prayers. You know, when we give thanks to God, when we praise God, we lift our eyes off what is immediately in front of us. Anxiety, by its very definition, is inward looking. But when we give praise, when we go thanksgiving, we start looking outwards. We start um, lifting our eyes up to who God is, what God's done, and how God blesses us today. Even if it is just the smallest thing of seeing a snowdrop this morning. Even as that, Lord, thank you that I've got out of bed today and I'm facing the day with you, whatever that may look like. Thank you, God, that you never leave or forsake me. This passage says the Lord is near. So, when we pray with thanksgiving, we remind our body, soul, and spirit who God is beyond the current situations or feelings. We become realigned with the rhythm of heaven, our home, not our colony. And we give space 
for the peace of God to invade. Brothers and sisters, this morning I think God wants to set us on an eternal perspective. I think he wants to give us eyes to see what's happening in the kingdom, not just what is happening in front of us. But at the same time, I believe for some of us, we need to let God into what's in front of us. I believe that the, there are situations within our church family where we do just need to scream out to God and invite him in to a place of authenticity. God, this is really me. I'm going to give you my prayer, not sanitized, not watered down, but as I am in my pain in this moment, will you help me lift my eyes up? Will you help me lift my gaze back to you and to who you are and what you've done?